Hey everybody, Yavts Djurjevic here with another episode of the Phoenix Pod. And this time around, we got the 2023 president of the club, Corey Kane, on the show. Interesting conversation, especially seeing his transition and evolution and how he would seek out different opportunities of volunteering and how that eventually led him to Phoenix Club, which eventually led him into becoming president for this upcoming year and being the leader of our board. Very interesting conversation, very interesting guy. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Just a little bit of housekeeping this time around. All the events are done. We've had our end of year party, etc. So if you're a new member for 2023, remember you've got your new member, I don't know, are we calling it an orientation or retreat? January 7th, just sign up for it. Make sure you're there. For all the board members who are supposed to be there, make sure you're there as well. And for folks who are interested in joining or being part of the perspective process for next year, make sure you go to phoenixclubofnashville.org, all spelled out. And then the right side of the top of the screen, you can see interested in joining. Click on that and then sign up here. That'll get all your information out to all the necessary board members and committee members. They'll reach out to you and you can begin the process. But I won't bore you with any more uh, details. 2022 was an awesome year. We did some great things as a club. I look forward to what we're going to do in 2023. And here's Corey Kane. Corey Kane, president-elect. Welcome. Welcome to Thanks, the Phoenix man. Pod. Yeah. Well, so for, for folks who don't know who you are, uh, you are president-elect. How'd you get involved in Phoenix Club? How'd, how'd you end up being in the position where you be president next year? What's, what's some of your background? You know, I had been involved in a lot of different things relating to um, volunteer work and making an impact in the community. And I'd done things like having a little brother through Big Brothers, Big Sisters, doing a lot of reading, tutoring. I was even a uh, worked with hospice and visited people um, in the hospice kind of uh, set up in nursing homes and such to kind of like learn about that experience, but also bring comfort. And I, at the time, I was working as a brand manager on scale businesses where you can have a massive impact by making smaller tweaks to things. And I wanted to, one, get to know more people outside of that environment in the community. And then, two, I wanted to be able to connect um, my desire to have, a, like, a scale impact in, in the overall community. So what I did then was kind of like look for opportunities where I could have a bigger impact in the community um, that would be more scaled versus like one-on-one -on -one volunteering opportunity. And I had told my my wife that actually, uh, just in terms of like planning and, and identifying what I wanted. And she found kind of like a, an ad for an event that Phoenix Club was having at the time. It was called Taste of Nashville. And that's when I kind of wanted to go it specifically had that it was like we develop our members into leaders in the community but then we also focus on serving underserved youth so this is exactly the definition of something i was looking for and from there i just kind of incrementally got involved over time uh, and that's what brought me here how long ago was this it was probably four years ago okay. when it when i first started and kind of laid out what i wanted to do who i wanted to meet who I wanted to build relationships with and what kind of impact I wanted to have in the community. I was particularly focused on uh, youth. Mm -hmm. I had a rough time kind of learning how to read when I was younger, and that kind of has a continual impact. If you don't know, if you're, if you're having trouble reading as a, a um, when you're young, it just continues on. Like you, you first learn to read, then you read to learn. So mm. uh, I particularly like that part of youth because you can have such an outsized impact on uh, that individuals but also the community so that's kind of why I was gravitating towards that and the Phoenix Club does both of those things really well uh, better than anything I've seen uh, anywhere that I've been able to come across that's really interesting what you said about the you had a difficult time to read uh, or learn how to read because it's interesting because just knowing what I know about you like looking at you being like oh yeah this guy's like a fully functioning like educated you know adult um so you obviously overcame that and in a lot of ways I, I can relate to it to some degree is you know for folks who don't know i came to the states when i was 10 not speaking a word of english yes so like if you look at my you know 10 years old you're in fifth grade if you look at fifth grade through like freshman year of high school my grades i was a pretty good student 
except for English. So reading, grammar, comprehension, and, and that genuinely set me back in a lot of ways. Now, I eventually overcame it. So I kind of get what you're saying on that front, but like what, what really helped you overcome some of those issues? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really consider it as an issue at the time. I didn't really know uh, that it was a problem. I mean, I just had difficulty reading and comprehending things on my own. And then it was more pronounced when I would read out loud. They would do like the popcorn yeah, things. Yeah, I could yeah. never freaking uh, do any. Like, I could never read out loud. I don't think that I could start reading out loud until I graduated college probably. Mm. And it took even probably time after that. And now I can do it without any issues, but that like somewhat of a trauma when you're in, uh, you know, high school with 30 kids, like trying to get you to actually read something. It's like, come on, yeah, dude, just read it. So that never really seemed like it was something I had to overcome. It was just uh, kind of like a natural thing that I had. And what really got me over it was generally just being interested in learning. Mm. So that's one thing that I feel like I don't really have to try to do. I just like to learn. And as soon as I found out that there are books that kind of you can learn anything from, then it just became, okay, well, I want to learn how to do that. And then just go after things that you want to learn. And reading naturally will happen after that. So that's, that's why I think when we're trying to educate children, it's you got to make sure that they're interested in something. You, 100%. It's, it's limited if you're trying to focus on you have to do these things. Which is really generally kind of how I focus on a lot of the things I'm working on in terms of like leadership and, and people that kind of help me do that is like people only do stuff if they really want to do it. And the trick there is figuring out what is the benefit for them. Right. So that was how I get over kind of the, the, the reading thing. That's so interesting. I actually was watching a documentary documentary the other day. Obviously, this is not pertaining to Nashville, but it's estimated that within Detroit city limits, 60% of the population is functionally illiterate. Yeah. Which is absolutely terrifying because that has so many downstream effects for somebody's life and not just their life, their children and grandchildren. And, and it's, it's not something you think of in 2022 in America. Yeah, it's um, it's not because we have all the resources, but also that makes it somewhat uh, easier to kind of get away from, from right. not needing it um, to a certain degree. But yeah, it's 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 a huge thing. It's uh, something I'm super passionate about. I'd love to read now, so that's just kind of inherent to what I like to do is just continuously learning. But some people, it's um, you know problem that I think we should continue to focus on in terms of like focusing on how children can continue to have support that they need to be able to do that kind of stuff so that we don't have those types of issues. Right. Right. What, what's interesting about what you said earlier though, is you were doing some volunteer work in hospice. Yeah. Which is like the opposite of working with children. What, what was that experience like and, you know, straddling kind of those two worlds? Yeah. I I was really interested because I always wanted when I did volunteering experiences to kind of go to the edges of where I could really learn something. So the I was interested in reading, tutoring, and helping youth, but I also looked at other opportunities such as hospice. I also did uh, – I really kind of got into liking to travel, but then I found out I didn't have any money, so – I, You're not uh, just going to bum around the world with a ba backpack? Yeah, well, I did that, um, but then I had even less money and time. When I started to kind of work at a first job or two out of college, I did refugee, uh, like I hosted refugee families and would visit them on a, a weekly basis. So I'd always try to do these things that were kind of unique experiences where I'd learn a ton. Right. And the hospice thing was just another part of that where I wanted to learn more about life and the options that you have uh in your life and just like understand what it was like uh towards the end of your life kind of. mm. so in hospice um you know you go through this training that's pretty 
impactful. And I think it was like three by three. You had to like write three things that you really like to do like physically. And then three things that, uh, three of like your most cherished things that you do on like a regular basis, uh, for fun. And then like three of your, I think I had to do something to do with family or, uh, friends. And you go through this process where they're kind of like guiding you through, okay, now you've been diagnosed with, um, some like life, uh, terminal diagnosis of t- some type. And you start to remove those things that you wrote down. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what it's like to go through the process of um, kind of no longer being alive and or like treading towards that. So you kind of learn that perspective of what it, what is it like and you're kind of getting a glimpse of it. You're not really fully understanding it, but you're getting a glimpse of that and then you're getting a glimpse of what that means for the people that are surrounding that individual. Um, that's just the training and then you go and kind of experience that um, and it kind of helps you think about, or at least to help me, what, what do you want your life to be like at the end of your life? Like how, how do you want to, uh, live now with the perspective of knowing kind of, uh, how f- fragile your life is? So th- I think that that helped, it was helpful to kind of be in, uh, a supporting role for those types of individuals that were kind of at that point. And then, you know, it's really humbling when you think you're having a really shitty day. Right. And you then leave at 6 o'clock to go uh, to a hospice nursing home, and you're kind of like, well, I really uh, don't really need to worry about that report uh, or you know, presentation, where it just kind of reduces the you know, stress or concern that you might have. So I learned a lot from that experience. And eventually, um, after I kind of – had done a year or two of that, uh, wanted something that was a little bit more engaging with, with youth, but that, I think that experience was kind of shaped the way that I think about how you should, or how I should be kind of interacting on a day to day basis. I mean, it goes by fast. So you got to make sure that you do the stuff you want to do. It's so unbelievable. I think about this a lot. I've got a six month old at the house and she recently discovered her feet, you know, and that doesn't seem like a big thing, but when you really break it down, you're like, she just discovered that she has feet. Yeah. At one point in my life, I discovered that I had feet and I started holding on to them. And then you take it a step further and you're like, I'm consciously aware of the fact that I'm going to die someday. My dog is not. Yeah. It's, How it's un- unbelievably incredible this experience is that we get to have on this planet and just putting that in context. Yeah, and you got to, I mean, kids help a lot with time, priorities, and stuff like that. And the feet thing that you're mentioning is there's stuff that happens every day that you can, as an adult, have that kind of same experience through learning or new experiences. And you just got to cherish that experience, and, and you have that continuously. So I think that that's a hard thing to do um but like putting yourself in experiences where you can kind of continually look back look to that and say okay like what's this uh how can you embrace kind of what's going on so yeah so so you have these experiences you have these volunteer you know uh, engagements which is also something i really want the folks listening to to pay attention to one of the themes in these interviews with the phoenix club folks and something that i've definitely seen being a member of the club, going through the prospective process, all that. These are typically folks who are looking for opportunities to do something. That, I think sometimes we forget that that's not that common (laughs) in just general society. So there's a a special ethos in these conversations of like, let's go do good. So you're doing this good, and you say, okay, what's the next step of doing good? So you start seeking out the Phoenix Club. What happens? You get involved, you... Become, I'm assuming you become a member since you're president-elect. Um, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, you go to the kind of the, the intentionality of Phoenix Club members. I mean, you got to be intentional to be in the club because you're doing a lot of work to meet people. You're putting yourself out there you know, on a regular basis to go through the process um, and 
and meeting people, learning about the club, learning about what the club does, learning about how you can add value to that. So yeah, I went through the process, which to me is kind of one of the the better parts of the club because you're meeting a group of people that have been in the club for a while. And as you get into the club, you realize that there's transition points of classes coming in and out. And that new membership process is really an opportunity to meet people that you'll be able to be connected with and, and learn from from a really long time because those are the people that weren't typically, as I was going through the new member process, weren't people that were really as involved as I became more involved but acted as reference points either formally or informally through learning and observing what they were doing. So that process, you know, was outstanding to kind of go through and, and meet different people. A lot of people that have had been in the, the club before had friends. They were introduced. They kind of went through that process. Um, I didn't have that. I kind of was like a cold call into the club. Um, but then I would go through and kind of meet people that way. So I was meeting a ton of new people. Um I realized pretty quickly that those are the people that I wanted to be friends with and work on things with. There's just a lot of people that you can learn from. And um, not only are they high quality, I think they're also, the ways that I would describe Phoenix Club members are kind of respectful, um, uh, uh, responsible, responsible. They're, they're looking for ways they can intentionally improve themselves as well as other member or other community members. So I think that those are all kind of like things that you learn as you go through. So as I kind of identified that I wanted to do that, then from there uh, just kind of progressively get more and more involved right. and uh, in a way that I was interested in, but also kind of would help the club. So, and then that's just kind of what led me to, to where I am now. And one of the things I like to do the most is help kind of members get the most out of this experience. So that's the, the number one thing that I like to do in the club. Yeah. And that's kind of like my focus uh, now and for the next year is just being able to make sure that those guys get as much, as much uh, positive of impact for themselves uh, in the club, uh, going forward. So, you know, going into last year into elections and throwing your hat in the ring of, okay, I want to run for president. What was that thought thought process like? Because I talked, I talked with Brian about this. It's the only position within the club. that's a three-year position. President elect, president, past president. That's, that's a hefty commitment. And, it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, what was that thought process around like, okay, I, I, I think I can do this. And what did you want to see come out of it? Yeah. Uh, my thought process was kind of going back to, at that point I'd, I'd done a good amount of in the club and I had exposure to what it's done for different members as well as board members, what it's done in the community. And I had a good view of what I like to do personally, where I thought I could add value. And my, you know, the thing that I've always been most interested in was helping guys uh, utilize what the club has to offer to improve themselves. And by kind of helping those individuals do that in a way that's connected with the mission, it benefits the community, if I can do that on a regular basis, that kind of helps everyone, right? Community members, all of that kind of stuff. So to me, um, that was the only kind of logical progression was to continue to figure out how I could do more of that. If I focus on that, then the only if I then look at the time commitment. Um, whether that's the weekly time commitment or over the course of years. Personally, I, I would just look at how could I use that time better to impact 
you know, whatever it is, you know, to have a, a better life you know, for myself, to have a better community. Where do I think that there's a, there's a stronger possibility for, for me to use that time? And when I would go through that process, there, I'm not aware of another way to kind of be able to impact members, but also the community on uh, as as big as I could through uh, the Phoenix Club. So that's kind of how I, I looked at it. Yeah, impact through scaling, basically. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of the overall experience. There's the scale to the club, but there's also the relationships that you're building along the way with members and uh, board members and other relationships through contacting, working with leaders, alumni. So there's all of this value that you can um, create within the club, not to mention the impact that you can have on the community. If you look at all those things, you kind of put it together. It's like a lot of things that you could do that would outpace that. So that's, and yeah, I felt like I was in a good enough position to kind of make that happen. So that's kind of like my view and the time commitment was like, you shouldn't be looking at a time commitment of like, what, what what am I going to have to take away? It's more of what could I use that time for more usefully, I suppose. And that's where, for me, is like an easy kind of case of there's very few things that I could probably do. And as long as I kind of focus on you know, putting the priorities in the right order, then it kind of like presents itself as a pretty significantly great opportunity. Then your next question is like, how well do you think you can do it? How well do you think you can do it? Yeah, it's a good question. Um you know, I'm learning. So I think the what I what I try to do every day is trying to learn about, uh, you know, first thing is a line of what, what I'm trying to achieve. And right now it's building the organization in kind of the most cohesive way and kind of provide a vision for the group in terms of where I collectively think that where I can collectively kind of point the group in, in terms of where should we be going based on you know, opinions and of the club as well as alumni and kind of connecting the dots in terms of where c- can this club go? Um, so kind of like casting that vision of, of where we can go. Second is building the relationships in the group in which they transcend the club. So making sure that this you know, finite time that members have, we're spending a lot of time building relationships that will transcend their time outside of the club. If we can continue to do that, then we have a lot of people that are going to be in the city that are connected and doing well and that are like-minded in in terms of their interest in in impacting the community. And then we can continue to kind of advance the mission. So what what I've tried to do is kind of orient around those priorities and then ask as much help as I can get. Right. So that's how, that's what my approach is, you know, I myself am not going to be very good at, at leading. But if I can kind of identify the right priorities and then make sure I'm asking for enough help. Right. From past presidents, from other board members, from friends that I have that are in the club, um, from other leaders. Um, then the question is, how well do I think I will be able to solicit that help and, and utilize it? And I, I would like to say I've, learned how to do that over time from needing to ask a lot of people for help. So in that regard, I think I can, I think I could put the pieces together. So in the four years that you've been a member, there is probably a lot of special moments that have happened from a, especially like with the, some of the hands-on projects you've probably participated in. Uh, one of the, just my short time in the club, you know, I've, I volunteered for one of the junior achievement, um, the financial coaching courses where you work with a yeah, bunch of middle great. schoolers, yeah. which was just unbelievable. If you get the opportunity to do that, go do that because how aware 12 year olds are is incredible. I had, I had more fun just talking to them about life than I did 
you know, the actual coaching part, don't, yeah. you know, don't advertise that part, but, <laughs> but it's fun. You just learn a lot and you, you, you get to engage with them. But what are, what are some of your favorite experiences over the last four years, or maybe the most impactful experiences you've had, uh, really being hands-on in the club and the community? I have kind of a different view of, of that. I mean, I, I do think that there's a lot of volunteering at a local level that you're speaking about that I think I've had a lot of positive experiences, but the, the most positive experience that I've had is enabling guys to kind of do those things and helping them set up those events. And like, I get the most excitement and enjoyment out of the club when I see guys like, or motivating guys to step out of their normal day to day to set something up like that, where then it gets 10, 15 guys there. And those 10 or 15 guys have that experience that you're mentioning. That's that's kind of my favorite time. And if I go back to why I joined the Phoenix Club, was to have less of the, you know, of those experiences that you kind of mentioned of like, you know, I met these uh, teenagers, kind of like learned something from them, had a great experience. I like to see it when... S- I can find out a way to get those on the calendar and make sure that someone's there in charge of like setting it up and, and doing it and being there, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my view in terms of like, because I could go on in, in terms of like the grants and the things that we've done and, and the volunteering efforts. But the real thing that I like to do is just see guys kind of uh, put those things together and help them kind of be able to, to do that because that's a whole different thing to one to, to like be there and participate but to see guys step up and be in a leadership role and put something like that together when they didn't really think that they could do it in the beginning that's where you can kind of have like a even more of a scale impact and that's kind of like what's most enjoyable yeah seeing it come together uh, almost uh you know helping people realize something that they maybe didn't even realize they were capable of yeah it's that's that's the whole reason I stayed around for, I don't know, three more years. <laughs> three more years. It's really cool. I mean, that's the best part about the whole thing. Like, you talk to guys that are uncertain about doing something, and, you know, we kind of walk them through it. You kind of push and prod in different ways. Sometimes they do it on their own. They just needed one, like, catalyst to start. Sometimes some guys need something else, and then just to see them kind of go through that process, have it happen. Cause you're, you're different when it happens. Like it's when you can do something like that and it can kind of works, it's like, Oh, I could do that. And a lot of different things. Well, it becomes a new reality for you. You know, the, the first time, you know, you lift weights and maybe you squat 300 for the first time or whatever, before you do it, it's a hypothetical. Once you've done it, now it's a reality. Same exact deal with organizing a volunteering event or, or something along those lines. Like there's an idea. And I think that's, I think that's part of why I like podcasting so much, actually. Yeah. I, I love the concept of taking what's in somebody's head and making it real. Because once it's in audio on an MP3 format on an RSS feed to, you know, the whole world, it's real. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a really, I agree with you. It's a cool experience to get people to see what's possible. Yeah. And it's way different. So like, I mean, obviously, one of our best events that we have is the leadership dinner for Phoenix Club. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a new member, you show up and you're like, wow, this is pretty impressive. Like, you get these high-profile speakers. You get everyone there. There's 200 people there. You get all these leaders that are in the community. This is kind of a big, like, I don't know how this happens, but. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and, you know wasn't until this year I was very involved in like getting the speakers, getting leaders there, making sure we had an event space and then you kind of like do it all. And it's just, I mean, there's a lot of guys involved, but there's five guys like really kind of like this is, yeah, yeah. if this doesn't work, it's on us. Right. Right. And being in that group and you kind of put it all together, you got, you know, this year we had the, the CEO of the predators, Titans, um, national soccer club. And we got them all to find a date that they could come on. We're like, man, if these guys show up on one date, it's going to be pretty cool. Right. And you figure it all out and you, and you also get all these leaders there and all this stuff. And it's, it takes you to be there and you're like, wow, like 
everyone that's showing up just thinks this happens. And when you have to put it all together, you're kind of like the day of, you're like, I I hope this works. still like (laughs) kind of, but once you do that a couple of times, like, wow, you could do that. A lot of things. It's like a wedding. It's like there's something, something's going to go wrong somewhere. Hope I just hope it's not, you know, hope it's a small thing, not a big thing. Yeah, of course. And, but that's the fun part about it is then you kind of, uh, have gone through that process of the group of guys when you're kind of like always, when you started, you're kind of looking around like, is this going to work? And then when it works, you're like, wow, we can keep on doing stuff like this. Well, and then you ask yourself, okay, what else can we do? Yeah. Which is kind of the cool part about it. Cause then everything kind of opens up. Right. Which is why like in, in Phoenix club, like everyone's doing that at different scales. Right. So if you can get guys that kind of are on the edge of doing something else and kind of push them to the next level, you're changing their perception of what that is, is possible. And every time they do that, they get a little bit more, uh, they, the world opens up a little bit more. And if everyone's doing it on the club individually, they're going to kind of do it on their own and everyone's lives are going to kind of expand. What has been the biggest challenge that you did not foresee as president-elect? I don't have anything that's like super big challenge. Uh, the things that have been unique to me are just kind of a lot of the guys that I started with are kind of starting to to roll off in different capacities. I'm grateful for some of the guys that are um, staying involved and making an impact in different ways. So that was just different, uh, especially as I'm rolling into next year. A lot of the guys will be in classes behind my class, which is it's not like an age thing. It's just guys that I'm familiar with. So that's a little different. It's like a, an evolving kind of uh, party of, of people. Um, that's one thing that I think has been interesting. The other thing I think that's been interesting as I've been kind of putting the board together and, and working with different guys to be on the board and um, and like starting that piece where we can kind of like expand what the group's doing as well as what individual leaders are doing is just um, I've, I've learned a lot about different people and just the kind of like leadership overall. So that's hasn't been a challenge. It's just been kind of – it's super positive experience for me. It's kind of like learning about how does a 100% volunteer organization kind of continue to evolve and how do people continue to get motivated to, to do things. Um, and learning about how that works together, I think is probably the, the probably the most challenging of like, you know, everyone has different preferences and opinions skills they're all at different stages of kind of development in different areas and trying to get that to work so that everyone's motivated wants to go in a certain direction and then balancing different things like you know how serious should the, the group be how like how serious should we take ourselves and how professional yes. should we be yeah and how how much should we be uh, more of a kind of relational kind of basis? So you kind of like you kind of like have uh, more fun. Like right. what's the right balance there? So those are kind of the the initial parts that I'm just kind of learning. Um, but for the most part, it's like it's great. I mean, not for the most part at all. It is, is all great. Like every every time that I meet with a member or talk about Phoenix Club, it's a positive experience. So what do you want to see happen next year when you're president? You know, if I have to boil it down, I've thought about this for a long time, but it, when I boil it down, my focus, and I think coming from you know a future president of a club that's focused on philanthropic efforts, it's not going to, totally makes sense. I'm going to kind of explain how I got there. But the number one thing that I'm focused on right now is the relationship piece to make sure that guys have a a solid foundation that transform, that transcends the club. So, because I believe that the more relationships that we build within the club, the more people will be involved, the more people will develop into leaders because they'll have a group of people that they trust that will push them to continue to, get the best out of their lives 
the more that that then impacts the community immediately because you'll have more people there that can help move projects forward. The more that that improves um, kind of our interactions with overall community members, not just um, philanthropic kind of missions. And then as we age, that will then help us continue to uh, have both leadership kind of opportunities as well as uh, opportunities to serve our community. So when I look at that, then it, everything's around, like, how do I develop more opportunities to grow relationships through, like, specific projects that are get guys working closer together it's through um, those opportunities to understand when, are, when do we need to be serious in a board meeting and when do we need to have fun at, you know, a volunteer opportunity or something else. And then one of the more informal ways that we can make sure that guys feel welcome and connected to build those relationships. So that's, that's my number one goal. Everything else, if I can focus on that and focus on making sure that guys are in the position to get the most out of the club, they will uh, have opportunities to develop into leaders. They will impact other guys. And I think that generally speaking, most of the things that we would do would be a byproduct of uh, those relationships. Mm. Yeah, I think that is a very impactful way of approaching it because there is something special about being part of a group of people who are, everybody's pulling on the same rope. You know, there's a there's an objective of impacting underserved, underserved youth in, in Middle Tennessee and also growing the relationships with each other. I mean, if I I remember going through the pros- prospective process of being just the amount of times I heard somebody say, "Yeah, I met my best friend here." You know, hey, you know, so and so was at my wedding. Y- you know, the the relationships that I could see had been formed, but also kind of to a point that you made earlier, I enjoyed the fact that everybody didn't take themselves so seriously, because yeah. to a degree, as you're coming into the process. You don't really know what to expect. I mean, I knew people in the club, so I, I knew that it wasn't going to be, um, you know, it wasn't going to be a cigar club per se. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, okay, are, are these folks going to take themselves too seriously? And I really appreciated the fact that that was not the case. Yes. And it, in my view, we should be right on the line of being able to, to be professional and get things done, but also be really good friends. Right. So if something happens, you know, uh, and one board member's not doing something that they said they were going to do, we feel comfortable to non, uh, I don't know the best way to say this, but in not of like a demeaning or aggressive way, just kind of lift that person up. Right. You, you uh, said you're going to do something. Let's help you do yeah. that. In a way that it would feel coming from like a, a very trusted friend. Right. Versus like a person at work as like a reference. Right, right. So you're not like, you know, at work, if someone says that to you, you're going to feel different than if your friend says it to you. And my, I, w- I would like us to have strong enough relationships where it feels more from like a, a trusted friend than a colleague at work. Because... I think it would be better results if we're on uh, the friend spectrum. Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, if somebody at work tells you something, like you said, you're going to feel different and you might even have some resentment. Whereas with an organization such as this, if I trust you and like you and we're part of this and I gave you, gave you my word. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and, but in fairness, you know, something might be going on in that person's life that maybe we're just not privy to. Yeah. And, and maybe they need help. Maybe they, you know, there's a million different things. Yeah. Um, that's where I think opening it up where you're on the, you're on the borderline of we, we're professional. We're going to get stuff done, but we're also kind of, uh, first and foremost, we have a relationship and we're more vested in each other's well being than we are in the, uh, what the club's going to do or what the individual is going to do within the club. Right which is more of like a work thing to me. Right. I mean, I'd be interested to hear from you if uh, it's consistent with like 
what you've seen coming in in the club as a as a new member if there are things that are outside of that or that touch that in terms of like where the club what you've appreciated about the club appreciated about the club but where you want to see it go is anything that's kind of missing there like i said i appreciate it so i heard about the club for the first time in 2014 i've talked about this on the podcast and my initial reaction was now i heard about it from a mentor of mine who is probably the person i respect most in the city of nashville guy in his 60s very well respected in the business community etc he told me about it and then i thought about it and i was like man this sounds just like a fraternity out of college i got plenty of friends i don't need this yeah, crap right yeah, now yeah. like i got i got other things to do uh, because it you know even with that glowing recommendation from still the person i respect most in nashville who i yeah. regularly talk to um my initial thoughts were leaning negative and then what happened over the years is people that i knew just I ended up finding out they were members of the club and, and, and those walls started breaking down because I started thinking, okay, hold on, time out. Rob Graham's a great guy. He doesn't fit the mold of what I envisioned this to be, so I must be wrong. Darius Moore is a great guy. He doesn't fit the, you know, the 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 mold of what I'm envisioning, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So then I actually got involved in the process of like meeting the folks and I was just unbelievably blown away after every single breakfast, coffee, lunch, whatever, I would go back to my wife and be like, babe, I thought I had my life in order. Like, I would like to think that I'm a decent human at, you know, work and, but like, I'm not doing any, I need to get my crap together. This is ridiculous. Like these folks are, <laughs> these folks are incredible. Yeah, yeah. It, it just kept being one after another after another. So that made it very, very attractive to me because I looked at it and I said, okay, I want to be surrounded by people who want to do good, who want to also, you know, obviously impact the community, but also impact their families, provide for their families, think, think outside the box. And I've really appreciated the thinking outside the box. I've appreciated that at the meetings. Yes, we have Robert's rules of orders, but it's more like Robert's rules of suggestions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't go in there with a bunch of suits. Yeah. Um, so it's been for me personally, it's been the most impactful thing uh, I've done in Nashville. Great. Um, and I've been here, like I said, since 2014. So that's, what do you years. think would remove that initial kind of feeling that you had? You think there's anything we could do that would make that go away? Well, the reason I brought up the podcast is as a way to do that. Uh, if I great. had had some sort of evergreen content where I could actually listen to members of the club, past members, et cetera, talk about the things they're doing in the community, that immediately gets shattered. Because it didn't take a lot, from my opinion, to change. It just took some people I already knew outside of the club that I respect that joining. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so yeah. the reason I'm so passionate about this project is because I don't want somebody hearing about Phoenix Club in 2022 and then waiting to join until 2030. Yeah. If we can have a conversation on some of the impactful things that we're doing in the community and them say, oh, no, these are like regular dudes who are just building relationships and impact, you know, impacting folks and trying to raise some money and doing good things. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm glad we're doing this. Uh, I mean, because I do think that I've heard that that's kind of been consistent message that I've heard. Uh, not like everyone, but I mean, I talked to a lot of members and I've probably talked to pretty much every member at some point. And there's a good handful that I've had that experience that you mentioned. And, um, it's not kind of like what the club's like. It's real serious. Well, it's it's interesting because there's just a certain perception, like when you say an all-men's club. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you an example from literally this morning. So one of my wife's friends, she had a conference she was in Nashville for, a conference ended, they went to college together. She stayed at our place last night, was working from our house. Yeah. And her and I were just chatting this morning. Um, and I was saying, hey, I need to head out. I'm going to go uh, record this podcast. And she was like, she knows our podcast. And I was like, I thought you'd do those at the house. I was like, well, I'm doing it for Phoenix Club. She was like, what's Phoenix Club? I explained it, and she said, okay, so you're like in the 1950s? Like, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. I had to explain, like, no, 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 let me let me break it down. She was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. So uh, maybe there's, you know, some general biases that we have to overcome, but I think doing things like this is how you overcome it because this is how people communicate. Yeah, there's been very few people, once you kind of describe it or they get in close to the club, well, I don't even know of anyone, at, at least at this point, that would 
say anything bad about it no. after they're close to it. Like from afar, maybe, maybe, maybe it makes sense. I don't know, dude. I, we pay money to be part of the club. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's a, I mean, it's a serious uh, organization. Yeah. So I'm not going to, it's not like I was looking forward to whipping out my credit card oh, in yeah. December and, and you know, sending in my dues. So if I, if I didn't think it was worth it, if you don't think it's worth it and you're still paying your dues, I don't know what you're doing. Like you need to like, you might have. Yeah. I was saying more externally, issues. uh, internally, there's not a shadow of a doubt. And I've talked to every, a lot of guys, no guy I've ever talked to that's not involved has ever said, I'm glad I'm not around Phoenix club. Right. Every single guy. That's why I focus on how we're going to get, where are the points within the time within the year that you can get guys back engaged? Cause you know, life happens if everyone's busy. If, if you were kind of away for a couple months or something like that, it's hard to get kind of plugged in, especially if you don't know guys in the beginning. Right. So there's no guy that I've ever talked to current past that I've has ever said, Hey man, good to see you. Yeah. Phoenix clubs like not helping me. And I don't miss it. Like no guy, every guy I talk to is like, yeah, I miss like doing something. If that is like, has been in, it has been out. Every time. Well, and I can, I can speak personally. So I became a member, I guess, December is when you guys voted. Yeah. Of 21. Um, January comes along. It's like snowing, storming, all that. And my wife is nine months pregnant. So, you know, I'm sitting here like you guys are doing the onboarding or the, the the retreat or whatever. And I'm going back like, Hey, I can't make it to this because my wife might literally go into labor any day. Yeah. Daughter's born February 6th. Um, I mean, for anybody who's had a kid, I couldn't breathe for four months, much less like go to a Phoenix club meeting. Yeah. That was not happening. And I could totally see how, um, if you don't intentionally figure out a way to get plugged in real quick after something like that, how you could completely float away. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, she's six and a half months old now it's different. Now she's teething and pissed off at the world. Yeah. You know, so like there's always something. It's a stream. I mean, once you're in the stream, like anything, it's like once you're in the stream, you kind of keep on going. But as soon as guys come out, it's you got to kind of get them back in. So that's, I mean, that's why I spend a lot of time on. Like, okay, who's something I haven't seen? You kind of like pluck them in. Right. It's kind of like pulling it. And that's what, it, you know, when I talk about relationships, that's the thing that I want a lot of board members. And that's where I'm going to be focusing on is how, how do we then like pull those guys in? So instead of just... A handful of guys, but like, how do we get the whole board looking at like, you know, we haven't seen you know, X, Y, and Z here for a little while. Let's right. like ask him. You know, nobody that I've ever talked to is like, uh, I feel relieved that I'm like not spending time at Phoenix club as you would in other endeavors that I've seen people do. Cause I've, that's where I've seen other people being, and I've been in myself where you're, you're like giving your time and your energy and away. Right. You're not, you're not being, your cup's not being refilled on the yeah. back end. So I talk a, a lot to a lot of guys about this uh, Venn diagram. What is the club's mission and what is the things that are going to impact you? And if you can get right in the middle of that as a member and just kind of focus on that area, it's benefiting the club, it's benefiting you. People shouldn't be working on stuff that's not helping them. Right. Because that's when it's giving and then they're not getting stuff back. And as a leader, the only time I ask someone to do that outside of that Venn diagram is like one or the outside of that part that matches both is if I can't find anyone that would work for. And then I ask it as a favor. Right. Hey, man, I know this isn't going to do you any good. But I need you to do it. But I need you. Yeah. And I've tried to do that as few as I like most limited times as I possibly can, because then you're. You just don't want people that like, you don't want that value equation to be off. You try to always slant it towards anyone that's spending time, right? Is getting more than they're putting in. So we're coming up on time. We could obviously talk about this for hours, but uh, I want to make sure to wrap this up in a nice bow. So you, as you know, t the twenty twenty three president, president elect, right now, going into next year, what is the final message you want to share with? current members who might be listening to this and prospective members that might be listening to this and the community in general here in Nashville. Yeah. So the, the thing for the members is kind of, you know, 
kind of consistently say this, but it's kind of the Venn diagram thing. You should, you should know the club. You should know what you're looking for. And you should find a way that you can utilize the Phoenix Club platform to advance the mission of the club in a way that helps you, that you're going to want to spend more time doing that if you can get into that space. And there's a, a lot of things that the club kind of offers. There's a lot of ways that you can add value. So as a member, you should be in that spot. If you can't figure it out, uh, you should call me um, because you get a, a window of time to get, to kind of utilize this to, to really accelerate uh, your growth. For prospective members, I would give the same advice, but utilize your time as a prospective member to gather that information in terms of what the club, educate yourself on the club and meet the people that are kind of doing those things now and then get real close to whoever's kind of doing the thing that you're, you want to do as a, as a real member and try to, to get involved and add value before you start. The sooner you get the, the sooner you start on that path, the more value you're going to get out of the organization and the more, the, the bigger impact that you're going to have as a prospective member as well as a member. So it's like kind of like getting the lay of the land and then going in kind of getting close to that person and, and, and um, helping. For the community, um, I think that that's where it all goes back to our mission again, developing leaders and then impacting uh, underserved youth. So in that regard, um, help us do those things in the, in the way that's directed to kind of like with same thing like where is the overlap with whatever organization or kind of individual purpose that they're trying to solve and how can we do those things together in a way that's like going to benefit this community and also the, the members so that that's kind of it always kind of goes back to that in terms of like how do we do this and then kind of goes back to the community aspect of how do we create value that doesn't exist today and uh looking at it from a, a really broad spectrum in terms of it's continually going to be like opportunity for us to do things. And, uh, there's a lot of kind of unlimited potential in terms of like what we can do as a group, as well as an overall community. It's awesome. Well, Corey King, president. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. you. Yeah. For everybody listening, obviously in the show description, There'll be all our contact info, any questions you may have. You can reach out to the club directly. Um, and outside of that, we hope you guys have a great rest of your week.